Birds of Hope. Father Dominic Fall talks about prayer. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and be our Father. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I wanted maybe to, to try to enter better in this intention of Jesus. We speak of prayer, we speak of prayer life, we speak of spiritual life, and all this is true. And St. Paul reminds us that we should pray unceasingly. Jesus talks a lot about prayer. He gives to our Father. He gives us his own prayer in the chapter 17 of St. John. Uh, the scripture shows us that Jesus enjoyed, you know, going in the desert, probably mainly at night, in order to pray. Uh, we have different aspects of the prayer of Christ, not only this chapter 17, but also his prayer during the agony. And of course, for us, what we, what we receive when we look at Christ is the prayer of a son. The prayer of a son who enjoys an intimacy with his father, which at certain moments is expressed in words, and probably in most time was lived in silence. Jesus was constantly not only in his hidden life, but in his apostolic life, living not only in the presence, but of the presence of his Father. He was constantly needing this as a beloved son, needing this intimacy with his Father, and, and uh, which shows how painful must have been uh, this moment at the cross when because of the common will of the Father and of Christ, he could not experience anymore this intimacy. Father, why did you abandon me? And which means that the prayer of Jesus was eminently a prayer of dependence. Uh, we, we, we said that fundamentally prayer for us is first of all adoration, where we recognize our dependence on our Creator, we give thanks for this dependence, and within this radical dependence, Jesus wants to lead us to another type of dependence, which is the dependence of friend on his friend, and through that, the dependence of a son towards his father, in the most absolute sense. And, and um, it means that the prayer of, of Jesus, and we see that again in the chapter 17, uh, Father, glorify me, I desire that where I am, they will also be, was, uh, yes, a prayer of 
desires, a prayer of, in a radical way, a prayer of a son depending and needing the response and the love of his father. That's one thing. Then, when we look at the prayer of Our Lady, which again must have been extremely silent most of the time, even if both of them were following the normal liturgy of singing the psalms, but the personal prayer must have been also extremely silent. The Magnificat, we said it, was only given during the visitation, so quite after a while, after the, the Annunciation, she had to walk to the other side of, of the Holy Land in Ain Karim to see her cousin. And it was, in both cases, with a perfect charity in Jesus, with a charity which is constantly increasing in Our Lady, the prayer of Our Lady was eminently contemplative. Huh? Maybe it was constantly turned towards the Father, uh, constantly attracted by the Father, constantly given to him and trusted to him in a way that she was a pure capacity to receive, huh? not only as immaculate, but in a more formal way because of her consecration in the temple. There she accepts to be totally consecrated and, and totally offered. And the response of the Father to her is the Incarnation, where seeing such a unique capacity to receive, the Father can respond in giving her his own son. Which means that from that moment, the prayer of Our Lady changes. Uh, it first starts as a, as a capacity ready to receive, and then it becomes a prayer, and therefore contemplative, uh, yeah, contemplative prayer, where she's she's one with the Father, uh, one with the Father in the in this filiation of Christ. Uh, she becomes really the spouse of the Father for the incarnation. All this obviously lived in extreme poverty. Uh, and, and after that, the prayer of Our Lady is more and more attentive to the Son leading her up to the cross. Why do I say that? Just to, to help us discover that prayer implies different modalities for all of us. Uh, the, uh, the prayer of of Mary waiting, the prayer of Mary one with the Father for the Incarnation, the prayer of Mary one with Jesus, and finally for his apostolic life, and the communion of, between a mother and a child, and then the prayer of Our Lady one with Jesus for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then, and we see that at Pentecost, the prayer of Our Lady one with the Holy Spirit, who chooses to diffuse himself through many. Why do I say that? It's for us to better see what is a Christian prayer. It implies that, first of all, using our faith, um, we, yeah, we see more and more clearly our dependence 
and and the unique dependence that we we, we enjoy towards our Father, towards Christ, and towards the Holy Spirit. There are three persons demanding to develop with us three different levels of, of bonds, three different levels of dependence. Which doesn't mean that we should immediately jump on the fact that we should develop a type of prayer towards the Father, another type of prayer towards Jesus, a third one towards the Holy Spirit. But um, to acknowledge that the, the Holy Spirit will will exercise this mission to lead us in different ways to Jesus, to attach us to Jesus, and to lead us and attach us in a different way to the Father. Um, in fact, to be very precise, we discover that our bond with the Father is only possible when we enter in, in a bond of friendship with Christ. We cannot go to the Father but through Christ. Which means that, yes, uh, and that's present in the in the Western as well as in the Eastern part of the Church, uh, Catholic Orthodox, uh, there's a clear consciousness of the fact that our prayer is first of all ordered towards Christ. Uh, our prayer demands that first of all we let ourselves be attracted by Christ. Uh, the, the words of Jesus in the Gospel of St. John, once I am at, attached to the wood, I will attract all men. Uh, prayer, that, which means that prayer is always a response. Uh, it's a response to an attraction. Fundamentally, it's a response of thanksgiving to the gift of our existence, the salvation, and in this poverty and this humility of adoration, we are led to discover an attraction exercised by Jesus on us. Which means that it is not only always a response, but it is always a response in poverty. And, and I would say that most of the difficulties that we have in prayer come from the fact that we have not entered enough in the truth of poverty. Um, the, the main examples of prayer that we have in the scripture come from the heart of those who are poor, those who are suffering, those who are persecuted. Uh, and when, when Jesus invites us in his friendship in order to share with us his filiation, it's an invitation that we receive from Christ in the poor state which implies that the friendship that Jesus offers to us demands that we accept in a very poor state. Practically, what does it mean? Uh, I was going to say we have the chance to be a creature, which makes us poor, and we have the chance to be a sinner, which is even worse. Those two allowing us, if we are in truth, to accept the fact that in front of God we are the poorest. We are the poorest because we are a little creature who totally depend on the Creator. And we are the poorest because we are sinners and have no right whatsoever to be in the presence of God. And it's important to realize 
every day when we start praying that we cannot approach God, prayer, to approach Christ, unless we approach Him in truth. And unless, therefore, we approach Him with the littleness, the poverty of a creature, the littleness, the poverty of a sinner, Uh, the littleness, the poverty of somebody who is longing for love but cannot find it anywhere but in God himself. Uh, which means that prayer is not a success, doesn't have to be a success, it's not a work. It doesn't build up on any perfection in us. It doesn't build up on any quality in us. It basically builds up the most on our poverty on our thirst, on our desire, on our needs. And again, practically speaking, when we have a difficulty to pray because somewhere our heart is not where it should be, our head is not where it should be, then maybe the best, the best means to open us and to therefore dispose us to again enter in this relationship that God offers to us is to do acts of humility, to do acts of poverty, to do acts of, in a certain way, acts of nothingness, eh? not to hesitate to spend a little bit of time either in adoration or in simply needing mercy, to spend a little bit of time before anything else to recover the littleness and the humbling of a creature and of a sinner. Especially knowing that, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, maybe we don't want to be proud, but in fact we all have a psychology of pride. Huh? And a psychology of pride which, unfortunately, feeds itself all day long. Uh, a psychology which doesn't immediately lead us to to present ourselves in truth in front of God. We might have the, the goodwill, but that's not enough. It is our whole person which needs to humble itself, to recover a true response to the love that God has for us. When we pray, let's say when we go to our room, or when we go to the chapel, we respond to God calling us. It's the Holy Spirit hopefully moving us, and therefore it's a response. We respond to God calling and waiting for us, which obviously is manifested in a very practical way, even if it is only sacramental. Eh? When we enter the chapel, Jesus is waiting. He's already in the Blessed Sacrament waiting for us. So, first of all, prayer is a response. It's not first taking the initiative. It is a response to God calling us and waiting for us. Second, it's a response that can only stem from poverty, from humility, and I was nearly going to say from nothingness. Uh, we will never make a mistake when we start praying in choosing to present ourselves in, in radical nothingness. The best disposition for 
not only being in truth in front of God, but also the best disposition for the Holy Spirit to be able to start moving us. Because we all know that praying alone is hard. When I'm alone, when the Holy Spirit is not moving me, then I have to use my words, then I have to focus and to be attentive, then I have to to do acts because I'm not sure that I really love him, so I want to love you. I'm not sure that I really totally given to him, so I want to follow you. So we have to constantly actualize our will to love and our will to belong to Christ when the Holy Spirit moves us. Then prayer is difficult. Prayer is tiring and prayer is, is a painful exercise while normally it is called to be more and more a joyful exercise. Huh? Uh, and the only way to move from the painful exercise of prayer to the joyful one is when the Holy Spirit moves us. Then what was difficult, because it was all under our control, what should I do, what should I say, how to express my love, what was difficult, what was complex, when the Holy Spirit moves us, becomes simple and becomes much more silent. So, obviously, we cannot lead the Holy Spirit Obviously, we cannot, uh, you know, control the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to offer to us, but we can dispose ourselves. And, and the main disposition for the Holy Spirit to take over in our prayer life, rather than leaving us alone, and with always the temptation of drowning, because we don't know how to pray, And the main disposition is poverty. The main disposition is calling for help. The main disposition is needing. And when Jesus presents to us in the Gospel of St. John, the Holy Spirit, he calls him the paraclete, and therefore the one that we should call in order to help us, in order to rescue us, in order to, to lead us. So, never, yeah, never start praying unless it stems from this humility and poverty and unless it leads us not in a devotional way, not uh, out of duty, but really out of need. It needs us to call for the Holy Spirit to come and help us. Uh, my desire is to meet Christ and... and The mission of the Holy Spirit is to help me, as long as I call him, as long as I need him, is to help me meet Christ. Jesus is the first paraclete helping me meet the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the second paraclete helping me meet, meet Jesus. Linked to this, prayer implies a desire, a desire to love, Uh, a desire to meet Jesus out of love for him, knowing that the Holy Spirit will do it. And this desire, this desire to love, is fed obviously by any sacrament, but is fed also in a, in a very special way by the Word of God. We cannot pretend or even hope, we cannot hope, develop a spiritual friendship with Christ or respond to the spiritual friendship that he offers to us unless 
our daily food is really the words, the, the lights, the ways of life that Christ revealed to us and is willing to share with us. Prayer implies a friendship, prayer implies a love, prayer therefore implies a communion. It's not simply the little creature, you know, giving thanks to the Creator. It is really the friend enjoying a communion with his friend. And it presupposes that we have a real joy, a real desire to make ours more and more the lights that Jesus gave us, uh, or basically, it implies that we have a real love for the Word of God, for the teaching of Christ, for the preaching of Christ, for the person of Christ alive in front of us. So prayer will feed itself a lot from the Word of God, uh, and, and, and uh, from a Word which demands uh, to not only to be received, but to touch us. Uh, when you have time, and all, all of us have done it, eh? but when we have time, take any passage of the Gospel, of yeah, any teaching of Christ, any preaching of Christ, and learn enjoying receiving these slides. Uh, we often read the Scripture either in a very intellectual way, or in a very controlling way. We, we want to meditate. While the Word of God is first of all given to us in order to lead us to ponder, to lead us to assimilate, to lead us to keep it. We cannot be a disciple of Christ and therefore we cannot be a friend of Jesus unless we keep his word. And the first one who lived it perfectly is already up to becoming mother of the word. So prayer, in fact, is not a work to succeed, is not something that we have to do and control. It is, in fact, the fruit of an intimacy in love, in charity with Jesus, which is itself a fruit of the communion in truth that Jesus offers to us. Uh, we cannot pretend to be a disciple and even less a friend unless we feed ourselves with all that Jesus said, all that Jesus did, and the daily food. Yeah. I was going to say even more than the Eucharist, upstream of the Eucharist, this daily food of constantly feeding ourselves with the revelation of Christ. And I think that there, yes, there is a, probably very often a lack or weakness. We want to be the friends of Christ while bypassing the discipleship. And it is clear that for Jesus, the friendship implies the discipleship. I call you friends because I told you all that I heard. So in the same way as I receive what the Father said, in the same way I offer to you to receive what I say from the Father. And unless we have this deep desire 
of a communion in light with Jesus, I think it's quite difficult for the Holy Spirit to move us and to move us in this experience of a communion with Christ because unless we have this deep desire and this yeah, these uh, choices in, in our daily life to remain a disciple of Christ keeping and keeping and keeping the word of God uh, the, the, I was going to say the Holy Spirit cannot move us from discipleship to friendship and cannot lead us to this communion of love which presupposes a communion of light we can only enter in a friendship with Jesus if we first receive him as light for us and St. John is very precise in his first epistle he first proclaims God as light after that God is love meaning that we cannot enjoy a communion in love with God unless first we have accepted to enter in communion in light with him same thing with Christ and first of all with Christ so prayer implies this this work not at the moment we pray but before prayer implies that we make ours more and more the word of God and that's why normally any good liturgy which implies you know vocal prayers which we imply text that we read and which implies usually that it is done in common any liturgy if it is properly lived filling us with the word of God should lead us to a silent personal encounter with Christ but it's not a silence which is empty it is a silence which is filled with the word of God that we have received um, maybe was keeping everything in her heart and she was constantly feeding herself with all the light that Jesus was sharing with her in a way that it would be for her the yes the way the needed food in order to love him and to love his father in truth so in a certain way two conditions eh? one if you want to pray enter in your room or face the blessed sacrament in the deepest possible humility and poverty and littleness because there we start being in truth when we acknowledge that we are nothing when we acknowledge that we are sinner uh, unless we acknowledge that we are sinner we cannot walk in the light and therefore we cannot be a friend of Christ so there is a deep humility and even sometimes humiliation that we really need to go through in order to be poor enough to receive and to be led by the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us uh, out of nowhere and Jesus tells us what will be the main mission of the Holy Spirit to take from what is mine and give it to you Never the, the major matter on which the Holy Spirit works in us in order to lead us is not simply little motions to do this or to do that but the main matter that the Holy Spirit will use is the word of God in us 
somebody like Therese hein, manifest how much she had assimilated the word of God it was part of her in a way that the Holy Spirit could use it at any moment either in order to help her express her joy or in order to help her express her sorrows or her needs um, Therese was yes was constantly in reference to the word of God Uh, the first one who shows us the necessity to be constantly in reference with the word of God in order to, to be friend of God is Jesus himself in the desert during 40 days when he's tempted his only answer to the devil is using the word of God because it is the will of God that and it is with the will of Christ that The third person will lead us more and more in depth in the light of what Christ gave us. So, first condition, poverty and humility. Second condition, to do this basic, regular, loving and therefore joyful work of assimilating more and more the Word of God. Uh, prayer life cannot be disconnected from the daily life. And not only because St. Paul tells us we should pray unceasingly, but more precisely because unless we keep the presence of Christ light for us throughout the day, we are not ready to face and enjoy the presence of Christ's love for us in silence. Because when we are in silent adoration in our Blessed Sacrament, it's not, first of all, a time for an exercise of the head, of the intelligence, it's really a time of pure love. We are in front of Blessed Sacrament, we're in front of Jesus who has offered himself totally for me, and I desire to spend half an hour, I desire to spend one hour, of a pure response of love, as pure as it might be. But this response, this desire to love to the end in front of Blessed Sacrament, demands to be fed, and it demands to be fed by a heart feeding itself with the Word of God, and therefore the lights given by Christ. And those lights are always lights of love. Every time you do Lectio Divina, which is every day, every time you go back to the, the Scripture, and especially the Gospel, what you receive is always a light of love, disposing you, preparing you, To, to enter in a response of pure love. Uh, in fact, we, we very often do the wrong way, uh, in the sense that we organize our life, we have to pray at that moment, we have to pray at another moment. Well, prayer should be a consequence. It should be a consequence of having, through the Word of God, uh, through the sacraments, having clearly receive so much of the love of Christ for us that finally our only desire is to go to our room, close our door and pray in silence in order to respond. Prayer is not anymore a duty, it's not anymore a work, it is really what the, the how could you say, what, what gives a fullness of joy and of peace to somebody who has, yeah, who has kept itself in the presence of Jesus has seen more and more clearly his love for us and has heard more and more clearly 
a word of love and this accumulation of food that we receive in Lectio Divina okay, ends up finally desiring to be alone with him. Prayer is really, and especially silent prayer, should be like a consequence of a thirstiness built up by, yes, by receiving and keeping and receiving and keeping all the lives of love that Jesus gives us. And if you have difficulties to do it with the word of Christ, it's easy to do it with the Psalms. When you have a difficulty to pray, don't hesitate to use one of those 150 Psalms, not only because they've been prayed by generations of Jews and of Christians, including Christ, but more than this, they have also been inspired by the Holy Spirit, so they have a truth pleasing to God, which is clear, but also those words demand to be alive in us. You pray and you try to keep a psalm of joy, well, it becomes more and more in you, but if you keep it and read it again and try to ponder it, it becomes in us a source of joy. The Word of God is efficient. It transforms us. There are other moments because of what we go through where you know it's easier for us to open up to another light from the sons, which is more a psalm of, of sorrows, a psalm of calling for help. Okay, then we can keep this psalm and keep it and keep it because it is in tune with what we are living now. And then this word of God, which is alive, becomes more and more our own prayer. What we receive from a psalm becomes, yeah, we ponder it and becomes really our prayer, leading us to finally be in silence. So the gifts of the psalms in the scripture to us is a fantastic education for prayer because they are inspired by the Holy Spirit much more than any other devotion that we could invent. They are inspired. And because it's the Word of God, which is not the case of many devotions, because it's the Word of God, by accepting to receive those words and to keep them, to receive them in faith, to keep them in charity, those words are alive. And they are capable to chisel, to transform our heart in a way that, yeah, the song becomes really mine. It's not anymore a prayer that I receive in faith and in trust, but it is really mine. It is the source that I was reading, which are really expressing my source. It is the joy that I was, or the thanksgiving that I was reading, which become more and more my joy and my and my thanksgiving. So there we have a huge, uh, how could I say, uh, field to help us and feed our prayer life. Huh? Much more than any personal devotions or, you know, there's a new devotion every day, huh? a new prayer to a new saint every day. So I can spend the whole day looking at the multiplicity of devotions. But unfortunately, none of them is efficient by itself. The Holy Spirit can use it, huh? but they don't have this efficiency of transforming me because they don't have directly the efficiency of the Word of God. And the Word of God is capable, if I keep it, to touch what is deepest in me, uh, more than any human words. And obviously, uh, a lot of prayers of devotion are written by somebody, and they are human words, and simply human words. They are not the Word of God. So, important to 
to go back to the source hein? and the source of our love for God is to know that he is our creator and father and the source of our love for Christ is to know that he is our savior and the prayer, the desire that we have to be with them is fed by these desires that we see constantly manifested in the Psalms in the Old Testament. So don't hesitate to feed yourself a lot with them. To feed ourselves with the Gospel, some passages of the Gospel is good, but sometimes it doesn't lead us directly to a prayer because it's not presented as a prayer. The teaching of Jesus on the living bread, the teaching of Jesus on the mystery of the vine, the church, are extremely important and they are teachings of love. But sometimes they don't immediately, they are not easily incorporated in a prayer life. Well, the Psalms, the 150 Psalms, are immediately our prayer. And those words have been designed by the Holy Spirit, offered to us in order to touch us immediately at the deepest in our desire to manifest our joy, in our desire to, to give thanks, in our desire to ask for help. I was going to say the Holy Spirit in the 150 songs as response for all those desires and offers to us to assist us in presenting those desires to those songs. Huh? Let's say... Uh, something good has been given to me and I want to give thanks to God okay then you know I want to give thanks I will tell Jesus I thank you for this I thank you for that which is right but after a while we don't really know anymore what to say we all know those situations well I could have chosen a psalm of thanksgiving and then let and ponder these psalms in a way that it becomes mine and there I really offer to God the type of thanksgiving which is the best pleasing to him because it comes from him. The same way I can present myself in sorrow because I've been hurt or because there's a deep sadness in me. Okay, I can present it also with my own words. But again, it doesn't really free me fully. Or I can use a psalm of sorrows, you know, words inspired by the Holy Spirit, and I see that there is immediately like a connaturality between the psalm that I receive and my own state of life, my own state of soul, in a way that more and more this psalm, you know, that I go to, that I ponder, that I keep, that I repeat, it becomes really mine. It becomes really my... It's not anymore the source of David, it is my source. It is not anymore the thanksgiving of David, but it becomes my thanksgiving. And the one who has allowed this word of God to remain alive or to find a new life in me is the Holy Spirit. Which means what? Which means that uh, we spoke quite a lot, I mean, today about the, the need of the Holy Spirit in our Christian life and in our prayer life. It means that on one hand, there's nothing new in this world. The prayer of the Psalms remain absolutely mine today. On the other hand, it's a new wine, it's not the old wine, which means that the Word of God, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but kept without the Holy Spirit by the Jews, now the same Word of God, 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, can be kept alive in me by the Holy Spirit because the paraclete was not yet given before the cross. We have this incredible privilege of being able to keep alive in us the Word of God. That's again the role of the Holy Spirit. He will take from what is mine and give it to you. Uh, and I think it's important because uh, we will never love enough the Word of God and definitely never love the Word of God as much as Our Lady loves it. And never love enough those prayers touching the heart of God that He Himself inspired, and that's called the Psalms, as much as Our Lady who was educated in her prayer life with those words coming directly from God given to her. And if we could rediscover, therefore, the joy of depending on the prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit, then our prayer life could become simpler and simpler and simpler. It's always for me amazing to see that so often Prayer life, in, for many people, implies complexity. They have to pray the rosary, and then they have to pray this devotion, and then they have to do several acts of these, several acts of abandonment. Then, you know, so complex. Which is okay, but that's not really the intention of Christ. Huh? Um, when Jesus presents prayer, go to your room in silence, pray in secret. And when St. Paul speaks of prayer, Holy Spirit saying, Abba, Father, so simple. And what is the prayer of Christ given to us, our Father? So simple. Um, and I'm not sure that we realize that the friendship offered by Christ should be simple. And if it is indeed simple, it should feed itself and express itself in simplicity. I think that very often, because we add and add and add our type of devotions, prayer becomes much more an exercise and a work, implying an expected efficiency. I hope that if I do this novena, I will obtain this. If I do that one, I will obtain that. So it's not anymore the gratuitousness of love. It is not anymore the simplicity of a, of a silent friendship it becomes really a work with all the complexity that it implies and a work which sooner or later puts me at the center. Uh, uh, because the ideal prayer is when I lose control. Uh, ideal, if you can say so. The most perfect prayer is when I lose control. Uh, when in my charity, the Holy Spirit has led me totally out of myself to be with Christ. As long as I'm in control, it's okay, I manifest the goodwill, but I don't yet enjoy the prayer that Jesus offers to me, the, the friendship that Jesus wants to offer to me. Which is again what St. Paul says, huh? and he says we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit is groaning in us, Abba Father, which is a very simple prayer, huh? but he reminds us that, yes, the friendship and the fatherhood offered by Jesus and by the Father meant to be in their exercise as simple as possible because the Father is simple, Christ as the Son is simple and the communion that they offer to us demands to be simple and we don't 
we cannot organize simplicity, but at least we can make sure that we don't organize complexity. Uh, after that, the one who can lead us to simplicity is the Spirit of Jesus. But at least we should enter in prayer with the desire of a simple encounter with Jesus, a simple moment of dependence on Him, a simple response to this attraction that He exercised on us. So poverty, simplicity, feeding itself from the Word of God. And finally, um, I was telling you that we cannot believe alone in the same way we can never pray alone. We might be alone in our room, but if it's a prayer linked to charity, which is the only way to pray, if it's a prayer linked to charity, then we are always carrying in our heart the whole of the church. We don't have the experience of it, but we have to accept that we come to Jesus in charity, caring for the church. Our charity immediately implies a life of fraternal charity. And we see that in the prayer of Jesus in chapter 17. He's praying for himself. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for all those that his disciples will, will evangelize. Therefore, Jesus presents his, in front of his Father, really caring. Yes, he asks for himself. Father, glorify me. But his heart is carrying each one of us. And... Presenting ourselves in poverty, fed by the word of God in a way that it has increased in us the desire to be with Jesus, choosing a mode of simplicity, then our heart can either out of simple charity, ordinary charity, or because the Holy Spirit moves us, the heart can, can carry a lot can experience, even if the Holy Spirit moves us, the need to carry all our brothers and sisters in need to be carried. We might not know them, but we present ourselves not only as a poor sinner, not only as somebody who desires to love because this desire is being triggered by the Word of God, knowing God, not only as people who have really nothing to offer and therefore can only relate in simplicity, but finally as people who have the maturity to carry others. I think that very often, unfortunately, prayer life is very self-centered and therefore we get discouraged because we don't obtain what we expect for our little person and sometimes our little ego while prayer demands uh, the maturity of forgetting oneself in order to carry more the others. Uh, I present myself always in charity with the desire to respond to the love of God for me and in fraternal charity carrying my brothers and sisters. Uh, prayer demands to be in the same time simple and in the same time, very mature. I come with all the brothers and sisters that you gave me. I don't come alone. And I want to carry them in their needs and therefore to be for them like a mediator.
And we see that in the Magnificat. Huh? Our Lady gives thanks for herself, and immediately after that, she carries huh? all those that are going to be sanctified by the coming of the Word of God among us, by the Incarnation. We come out of personal love, and immediately the response of the Holy Spirit in us is to ask us to carry. And the more the Holy Spirit sees that we can carry, the more He will lead us to carry. And sometimes when you're a priest, you receive people who have not gone to confession for you. Okay, fine. And then when they come, some would say, well, Father, I have really nothing special. Okay, then why do you come? But meaning they, they not only they don't see clearly the demands of love of God on them, but they don't even have an empathy for all those who are around them who demand to be carried. So they come alone, nothing. While a saint come always uh, in front of Blessed Sacrament, come always in silence, carrying many. Uh, it was a question that was asked once to Mother Teresa. Um, somebody asked her, but you receive so many requests for prayer, for prayer from people who suffer. How do you do that? And she always answered two types of answers. One is as soon as somebody presents to me a request, immediately I give this person to Our Lady. And second, when I come at the end of the day in front of Blessed Sacrament, I am heavy with all those requests that I have received. It doesn't mean that I remember them. They are in my heart. My heart has been welcoming all those requests. And, and I come in front of Jesus with all those people who have asked me to be mediator for them. So it's not therefore an exercise to satisfy myself. It's a moment where I offer to God the love that he has manifested to me, the love that he has given me. And it's a time where, out of love for my brothers, I present them, I carry them with me in this little room where I am in order to be with them in front of Jesus. So it's not self-centered. It is first centered on Christ and immediately welcoming in this attraction exercised by Christ all those that God in his providence has invited me to carry. So it's a very humble, joyful, simple and open to many moments of the day and hopefully more and more um, a moment, which is not a moment, but uh, a constant state. I can constantly keep the Word of God leading me to desire to be with Him. I can constantly present myself in need of God and therefore in littleness and humility. I can constantly desire to simplify myself in order to have only one good. And I can constantly carry in my heart all the groanings of the world that I've heard, either through people coming to me or through different types of awareness. I can do that all day long. It's not simply in the chapel in front of Blessed Sacrament. All day long. It is the ordinary life of a heart 
alive in front of God and of her heart not only alive in front of God but loving his brothers and sisters and therefore carrying them all day long in front of God and maybe that's something that yeah, I would like to finish with um, that we need to to rediscover we have rediscovered and that's linked to the Second Vatican Council we have rediscovered the beauty and the help of a Eucharistic adoration which is really one of the beautiful consequent fruits of the Second Vatican Council before that there was adoration of Blessed Sacrament maybe once a week probably only once a month in most parishes exposition a few songs go finish well now the Second Vatican Council has helped us rediscover the need to spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, to spend time in silence, to spend time in humility, to spend time in desire, to spend time in simplicity, and to spend time carrying many. So that's beautiful. But this time in front of the Blessed Sacrament is not an end. It's again a means. And the end is not the Blessed Sacrament, the capacity to do exactly the same all day long, not in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but with Jesus who has come to dwell in us. And in a certain way, a long time, but a long, a decent time in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day, sooner or later, leads us not to look at the Blessed Sacrament, but to close our eyes in order to live with not the one who is on the altar, but the one who is in us. And so, this adoration of Blessed Sacrament is essential, it's such a gift, but it's only a pedagogy, it's only a dedication, so that finally throughout the day, and we are not all day long from Blessed Sacrament, but all day long we have Christ in us, in front of whom or with whom we can again present ourselves in humility, present ourselves in desire, present ourselves in simplicity, and present ourselves carrying many. We have constantly, better than the Blessed Sacrament, we are constantly a tabernacle for the presence of Christ in us, inviting us to constantly stay with Him. And when St. Paul tells us, pray unceasingly, yes, that should be a reality. It's not simply a pious goal. It should be the ordinary life of any baptized and it should be an ordinary simple and quite easy life because it comes from the grace and it doesn't demand any special exercise but the one of desire coming from poverty in simplicity carrying many this we can maintain this state all day long in front of Christ who is in us Shall we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father and of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.